What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert uh, for our third in what I believe will be a three-part series, breaking down our intel and takeaways and analysis from the NFL Combine. If you've missed any of these um, in this series of panoply of Combine intel, you can listen back. We talked wide receivers. Um, We went over some of the uh, fallout from the coach and GM availabilities in part two. And then here in part three, we'll talk about some of the running back testing, the prospects, and also some more uh, from the NFL coach and GM availabilities as that news continues to sort of trickle out that we were part of getting into the news cycle there with our cockamamie questions for these coaches and GMs at the Combine. Just a quick reminder again, we need more ratings and reviews and Apple podcasts. Thanks so much to the like five or six of you that uh, answered that call last week or on the last edition whenever I asked. But we need more to be able to get the funds from our um, different folks within the infrastructure of our company to be able to keep doing this and getting the podcast out two and three times a week. So if you like the frequency the pods are coming out right now, you don't want them to go behind our paywall for only our pro members. Uh, please give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds. Here's how you do it. Just go in there, um, click on the very bottom right of your podcast feeder or your podcast feeder? Feed? No, your podcast, what, player, whatever. Inside Apple Podcasts, there's a search icon on the bottom right. Click that. Just type in Roster Watch. It actually will auto-populate after you type in R-O-S-T. Once you've done that, it'll come up with the Roster Watch podcast with our logo. Just click on that, and then right under there, just scroll down, and you'll see where you can click on the furthest right star, furthest right star to give us a five-star rating, and you can get, just leave a quick review. We certainly appreciate it, and it is the best way to support us if you are not a pro member already at rosterwatch.com. With all that said, Byron, what the hell's going on, brother? Man, just trying to put a wrap on all these uh, combined running back standouts there was a lot of them um i know uh we talked a little bit about it on the sirius xm show the other night but boy i felt like there was a lot of guys we still needed to get to yeah well i mean let's just let's let's just get started you know uh, i think that you're gonna want to start with jonathan taylor right i feel like he's the i feel like he was the biggest takeaway as far as you know what we wanted to see what we felt like we could see and what we did see out of a prospect um was that where you were going or do you want to start with somebody else there's nowhere you can really begin but at the top of this class i mean 
those guys really blew it out, Alex. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way, right? Sometimes the big guys come in and underwhelm a little bit, but you know, that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, we know JK Dobbins passed on most of the combine workout, uh, in favor of, you know, what they traditionally do. Those Ohio state prospects, they go home for a big home cooked, uh, pro day You're not actually going to take much sheen off of him. He did put 23 reps up on the bench, but it really opened the door for the other two or three premier running back talents, uh, in this crop to, to have standout workouts. And I thought they made a splash. I thought that, uh, they had notable, notable performances. And like you say, it's difficult to begin with anybody other than Jonathan Taylor who beasted with a four, three, nine, 40 yard dash. I mean, he's a big rock solid dude. Unlike some of, some, I mean, some of these other guys nine. you see at the, yeah. at the podium yet, you, you know, you wonder, man, you know, how, how thick, how big really is this kid? Jonathan Taylor is not a guy that uh, gives you that impression when you take a look at him. He, he popped off with a pretty nice three cone or 7.01 uh, time there and 17 reps on the bench. Uh, it was an impressive performance of the guy, a guy that's right at the top of the class with a ton of production behind him. And I mean, when you you're, run un, you're underselling four, four, it, you're, you're underselling it. Like he, he, he's a, he, he was a 90th percentile spark athlete. He had the second best running back workout overall of anybody. It's it it was it was a, I mean, this is a bit this is a big guy five over five you know five ten and a quarter two hundred twenty six pounds he ran a four three nine it's like I think I think it was more than just a nice I mean it was an it was an incredible workout it reminds you of Saquon or something like that it's it, it was a it's a, it was a big deal yeah I mean it, difficult to begin anywhere else it was a monster workout with a guy that has you know a, a premier profile. Uh, heading into the draft. So I, you know, I thought that, you know, for now he put himself in the pole position in this class and it's everybody else that needs to catch up uh, with him. And, you know, the other two guys that really stood out before at the top, we get Alex, off of Jonathan Taylor, can we just like, I, I, what would, what does somebody have to tell you? I was, I, I was on Pat Fitzmorris's podcast yesterday. I, it, it came out today. You, you guys should listen to it. It's called Fitz on Fantasy. And it was like I was on with him for like an hour and a half talking with a ton of these rookies. And he's a Wisconsin dude, right? And we talked a lot about Jonathan Taylor. And my question is for anybody that has anybody ranked ahead of Jonathan Taylor, my question is why? You know, why? What is it? What is the exact reason? You know, if this is a tape-based evaluation, I want to know your I want to know your credentials. Like how how have your tape based evaluations gone thus far? And I'm not saying that people can't do it, but even the best like NFL like what are your what are your credentials? Even the best goddamn NFL scouts do get this shit wrong half of the time. And I'm not saying that there's no film based work that goes into this stuff. And I, I'm, I'm look the work that we do here is mostly film based, but. Jonathan Taylor, I feel like had the had the, for he had the sickest the sickest film. He had he scored forty he scored forty six percent of Wisconsin's touchdowns last year. He scored twenty six touchdowns. He ran for two thousand two hundred twenty five yards. He had eleven percent of his team's receptions last year. One of the best you know reception shares. He rushed the ball three hundred and twenty times. And he comes in and runs a four three nine. He's a 90th percentile spark athlete. He's put it all on film in a big conference. It's like if you're going to come in and you're going to tell me that DeAndre Swift, who had a, a, basically a, a minuscule production profile as far as you know his as far as his um, 
within the context of the offense there at Georgia or one of these other guys above Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he ran slower. He, he were talking about a, a 60th percentile spark athlete versus a 90th percentile spark athlete. We're talking about a guy who is 14 pounds, you know, 14 pounds of difference between the two. Jonathan Taylor's bigger and faster. He was more productive in more productive in college. I just, if, if I, there are people that I respect that have DeAndre Swift rated above Jonathan Taylor. And my, just my, my, my question is, what is your calculus here? Why? Tell me exactly what it is, attributes-wise, that makes you so positive about this prospect versus this prospect that you know, everything that we have here in front of us, including awesome film, do, does it make Jonathan Taylor an easy? I mean, it, to me, it's it's so it's so very easy. You know, it only it only makes sense. It feels like you're being a contrarian by putting trying to put somebody else in that number one spot. Whereas Byron, I feel right now like we're the contrarians. Do you think it's going to shift? Like because well, I, I just don't understand be- why. I like I, I I do you and and do you understand why? I, I know that you still have to watch more, more Swift, and I know that you know in your process you like doing wide receivers first, and you still got to do the super deep dive on these running backs. And so I understand that your opinion could change, but like, do you understand why? I mean, yeah, the quite the answer to your question I think is pretty easy, and it's just there's a whole crowd out there that likes an elusive running back, and you know, to truthfully the longer I've been at this, the more that I weight that aspect of a running back's game as well. So, I mean, that's not, you know, that's, it's not the Trump card. I mean, that's not the end all be all, but that's the argument that those guys are going to make for a player like Deandre Swift, that he's got more Aaron Jones. He's got more LaShawn McCoy. He's got more elusive type ability in his profile. And I mean, that really is a valuable, valuable characteristic at the NFL level. You know, that said, uh, you know, you're entirely right with the case that you laid out for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he slides right in with that elite RB1 profile, you know, in terms of the NFL draft that we've seen in the last several years. It's difficult to argue he doesn't slide right in with the Josh Jacobs, similar to the Barclays, the Fournettes, the the Zeke's, you know, even the girlies, I mean, he kind of fits that mold. Right. And I mean, all of those guys have gone on to be really, really good players in the NFL and exceptional fantasy players. So, I mean, you, you basically litigate a rock solid case and it's difficult to make an argument against it. And certainly if I'm going to be a contrarian, that's the side I want to be on with it. But I do see, I can understand the argument. I, I know the argument. I see the argument that those folks are making maybe for a different player. I don't necessarily agree with it, but for me, it's pretty simple and straightforward. It has to be that elusive aspect of a player's game that uh, some of our counterparts in the industry are maybe uh, honing in on a little bit more. And I I don't want anybody to think that we don't like DeAndre Swift. We love DeAndre Swift. I just, to me, when it... People ask me about, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing at the top. I'm just like, what do you mean what am I doing? At the, what the fuck are you doing at the top? I'm doing the thing that you should be doing at the top and, and sliding in Jonathan Taylor. I'd, so we'll see. You know, if DeAndre Swift ends up going to the, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or something and, you know, Jonathan Taylor gets drafted by the, geez, I don't know, like, I don't know, the Seattle Seahawks. Or, you know, some kind of something like that where you just have the 49ers, where you just have no idea how he'll be used. Then 
I think that we have a different story on our hands, you know, as far as our fantasy rankings. But it's just prospects. I, I feel good about both of them, man. It's, I feel like both those guys are going to be right, right there at the top for me. DeAndre Swift ran a 4-4-8. And like we said, um, looked, what, did, what, did, what did you think of him as far as his, 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 his frame, his legs, rump, like lower half? I thought he, you know, even though he is, you know, 212 pounds, so not quite the size of Jonathan Taylor, I thought he looked pretty rocked up and good, solid, you know. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a good-looking prospect that certainly looks every bit of 212, maybe even a little bit heavier. Yeah, I thought he had a nice body type when I saw him, you know, up at the podium, and that's certainly something that I like to take note of, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't think he looked too small or anything along those lines, and, I mean, to your point, he also ran very, very well. It was a great opportunity for him to show off at the combine, and he did that. I think where you could argue maybe there's a chink in either of those uh, he or Taylor's uh, athletic testing was maybe that they kind of were middling in the vertical and broad jumps. But I think, like you said, when you size adjust it for Taylor, it's still a great number for him. Uh, Swift didn't really blow it out there. He, I'm sure he, he may retest those, may or may not retest those. I would assume DeAndre Swift probably just going to run positional Easy. drills I mean, at his pro day at he this did, point. He didn't, he didn't shit his pants. It, like, you only retest those little menial drills, like the, the agility drills, if you just really crap the bed. You know? Agreed. And I, I, I don't even think DK Metcalf, you were at that pro day. Did DK Metcalf even redo his last year? I don't think he did. He ran some cone drills that okay, I okay, shot okay. a video of that went pretty big. Okay, uh, so he did. I think you basically have to crap the bed. If you just kind of do a kind of okay, a middling job, but not great, I think you're just – I think it's kind of like – you know, like once you get done like playing playing uh, football in high school or college or whatever, you say like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep going to the gym. I'm, I'm going to keep working out and doing this stuff, but I'm, 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 I'm never going to do another fucking squat again in my life, you know, something like that. I think once you get done with this thing, you say, I'm, I'm, I'm so done running that damn three cone or running that shuttle. I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. I think once you get done at the combine, that's kind of your, you know, it's kind of your, uh, kind of your, kind 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 of your last dance as far as those cockamamie drills. Well, I think that makes a ton of sense. And then the other guy, Alex was Cam Akers of Florida state. He had an amazing day in positional drills in terms of his ability to catch the ball and he showed off some really nifty feet and also a very impressive combine again uh you know the very very top of this class uh you know premier talent profiles that really have showed off so far throughout the nfl draft process and cam makers probably the least heralded of of the group but man i think he made up some ground running a 447 putting up 20 reps that's the pro day i'm um, I'm going to attempt to go to, I'm, we're waiting to find out the athletic department is waiting to release, you know, what the, the details of the workout, but similar to Swift, I don't expect acres to run or do any of the cockamamie combine testing, but I would expect he's going to come in and show off his hands and some stuff in positional drills again, and keep trying to close that gap. Um, you know, I, Alex, you, you may know a little bit more about this, but I know the sentiment around the combine was just generally that. Florida State's been in shambles. Their offensive line hadn't been any good. And so Cam Akers, you know, he suffered because of that. But in, in terms of, uh, you know, the characteristics you're looking for in a run, running back and what we saw coming out of the combine, because that's what this discussion is back, is about, is who impressed at the combine. And, I mean, you have to say that Cam Akers was one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, he ran a 4 4 7 
Uh, he caught 30 balls last year for that horrible Florida State team, as you mentioned, with the bad offensive line. And I, I, I was talking to – this is another guy I was talking with, with Pat about on his podcast. Um, he, I don't have the exact numbers on this because I have not done my proper evaluation on Cam Akers yet. I'm just like everybody else that's watched him in college. I've watched some of his games. I've done all that stuff, but I haven't sat down, written him up, gone over everything generally because – this wide receiver class is just so deep. You know, we're having to do 30, 35 of these guys as opposed to generally doing like 20, 25 of them. But I have a feeling when I get into it and I look into the information from the Sports Info Solutions and PFF and stuff like that, I bet you that he has one of the best grades as far as yards after contact in this class. Um, and we'll get back to you on that. It's just, it, it just, it, it would be so intuitive to think so. Just, with the you, you just look at him and you just say with Cam Akers what it is. It's just how he how he creates out of, like he's a fucking Houdini. He he can he can create out of nothing. He scored he, Cam Cam Akers scored eighteen touchdowns last year for that football team. Can you believe that that was that was that, that was almost forty percent of that team's total touchdowns were through Cam Akers last year. Um, great 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 production profile ran well. We love to see it with the hands. It's clearly a huge deal. You know, with especially so many leagues turning turning the way of PPR or at least half point PPR, that's like the default setting with a lot of these providers. Now it's half point PPR. He's a guy. I mean, he can catch. He like as as you said, go back and watch the on field workout. The guy can catch. I'm excited you're going to be there at the uh, pro day so we can get some video for our pro subscribers of him going through receiving drills that have been super helpful for us in identifying these receiving breakouts from these players like like the Leonard Fournettes and. You know, to some degree, the you know it still needs to happen for Derrick Henry, but we still think it could happen. Um, whenever you see these guys at these pro days being good receivers, and you can see it at the combine, it means a lot. So Cam Akers, besides his you know the four four seven and the rest of his workout being you know pretty good, I, I mean overall, let's see what does mock draftable have him for his various percentiles? Because I'm looking here at the spark that got pulled, and it only has him as a fifty four percent. Uh, or 54th percentile spark athlete. I'm wondering what it was that might have kind of brought it down because, okay, so he had a bad 20-yard shuttle, a 16th percentile 20-yard shuttle at 4.42, which I believe is still better than, still a little bit better than Jerry Judy's, <laughs> which is just crazy to me. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, do, oh, look, look at this. And I like this. The, the the second comp that pulls up, what do you think it is? Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch. I like that. I'm actually, I'm yeah, gonna, I like that. I'm I mean, gonna, I actually have better notes here on Cam Akers' body type in terms of my observation from you know being live in the media room with him than I even did on a guy like Swift. I mean, I know he's a much bigger player, but I mean, Akers. I mean, he was dude. He had a big old like pit bull head on him, and was like real big up top and, you know, fairly built down low. He reminded me a little bit of like a bigger Daryl Henderson who we saw last year. So I, I could see that, you know, once you start getting into Marshawn Lynch comps, you're starting to get into a little bit of Darius guys type comps. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a nice player. So, I mean, I guess the, the question for me is, you know, all of these guys have looked so good and, are you know, really great prospects on paper, you know, in the first place in terms of just their skill sets, you know, the question is how many, how, you know, how high can, how many running backs can go in the first round these days, given, you know, just the general sentiment around that position, you know, um, 
it, you know, as being, you know, somewhat overvalued or, or, or a position oh, yeah. that teams, teams don't value, you know, so I put the over under at 1.5. I, yeah, I, th- I think I a lot of, there'd be a lot of day two running backs. This, this exactly. Year. I, I think these guys, like a guy like acres to me shapes up, you know, a prime second round pick, maybe, you know, like a one of like his predecessor, potentially a Dalvin cook. I could see him getting drafted in that same range. So, I mean, you're certainly looking at tremendous value and in the NFL draft for your you know, for the NFL teams, for your favorite NFL team, if you're, if they're in the running back market, these are guys you want to pay attention to. But for fantasy, I mean, these guys are solid, you know, first round dynasty rookie picks all day, every day. And then, I mean, every one of these players we've talked about so far is certainly, you know, worthy of a respectable redraft consideration as, as a rookie, if they land in the right spot, uh, the other guy, Alex, that was a little bit of a headliner in terms of the running back group, and it's a kind of a you know quasi uh, top tier guy, you know, just generally because of the acclaim that was surrounding him, and that's uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of LSU. Thought you know, given his size, definitely a smaller, shorter dude, but you know, you and I both agreed that he looked pretty stout, had nice calves on him. Uh, looked pretty good for his size. I thought he looked pretty good in drills. Uh, from what we've heard, he absolutely killed the interviews. I mean, he was outstanding on the podium in front of the entire uh, media contingent. I would assume he's crushing. You know, he crushed interviews behind the scenes. He you just, know, yeah, he's an Joe alpha. Burrow yeah, went out of his alpha. way to say he was the best player that he's played with. You know, however, it was a set of you know modest athletic testing numbers. For Clyde Edward Heller, which which no nobody really, I, I don't think anybody necessarily expected otherwise. It was just the four six that was the bad, you know. As far like I'm I, looking at the I spark stuff modest, that got pulled. Modest. Mod, I mean, he's a 69th percentile spark athlete. That's so modest, this, right? Uh, that's, I mean, that's you, the 50th percentile is your average NFL running back. I would say modest is more like what Cam Akers' profile sh- shook out to be. Yeah. Um. I mean, let's see, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, let's just look at where some of where he shines. So where he shined, he an 80th percentile broad jump, a 91st percentile vertical jump. You know, those are good. That's, and that that can replace the 40 a lot of times. Is you're really looking for burst and short space. So, you know, a lot of times as long as one side of those numbers is good for me, I mean that's that supports explosive explosive athleticism and what we've seen on tape. So yeah, well to your point, then he probably slides right in as one of those really nice day two, probably round two picks at the running back position who we will continue to like. So, you know, like we said with Dobbins kind of sitting on the sidelines for this one in terms of the on-field stuff, I thought it opened the door for the other headliners to, uh, you know, to kind of drive through that green light, man, to walk right through that door. And all of them certainly did in, in, in that regard. And, uh, Alex, we got to a few of the maybe lower tier type guys that, uh, that popped on the Sirius XM show on, uh, Sunday night. Uh, but man, there's, there was a whole gaggle of those guys and we'd love to get to that, uh, entire suite of players right here on the podcast for all of our subscribers and listeners, exclusive okay. content. All right. Um, I know on the show we spoke about, AJ Dillon out of Boston college and James Robinson out of Illinois, two guys that we really noticed uh, in terms of just their physical stature, their body type, almost cartoonish in their builds and, you know, really stuck out compared to some of the other players who were, you know, a lot of them are kind of somewhat, 
you know, not, not smaller guys, but just, you know, more modest size running backs. These are two of the guys that were built like tanks built like trucks. So of course we wanted to see given, you know, those NFL bodies that they had, you know, how would they perform on the field? James Robinson, Illinois, a guy you're, you've been sending me highlight films of, I know you've become smitten with, I mean, uh, he went 24 reps on the bench, uh, 40 inch vertical, five foot nine, <laughs> he was 40 inch vertical. Dude, he weighs nine. like 220. That's crazy. Yeah. Five foot nine, 219 pounds. Uh, AJ Dillon out of Boston college. Uh, I mean, that guy's six foot, 247 pounds. He peeled off a four, five, three, 40 yard dash pumped up that bar 23 times. So 23 reps on the bench for him. And I mean, it was a 41 inch vertical Alex for AJ Dillon out of Boston college. I thought he looked really functional uh, in the drills on the field. I mean, clearly he can move with that four, five, three. I did think, and this isn't a surprise actually for a player that's this tall and this big and, and kind of muscled and rocked up. He looks a little tight. You know, I'm curious. I'll be curious to see what his, on field, his, uh, you know, agility, elusive capabilities, lateral movement is on tape. I mean, that's a little bit of a concern, you know, for, for me in terms of how functional his movement will be as a, as a pure running back in the NFL. But nonetheless, I mean, very difficult to argue that when you're talking about just guys who popped, uh, made a splash, made a name for themselves, impressed at the NFL combine that maybe James Robinson of Illinois and AJ Dillon of Boston college were two players that really had, you know, that elite physical build who also performed uh, more than respectively, you know, ex- exceptionally in, in some ways uh, on the field, Alex. So I thought those were two guys to start with. Uh, we spoke about both of them on the SiriusXM show the other night. Yeah, I love, James, I, I love James Robinson. I still have my work to do on A.J. Dillon, but my initial read on him, he, he kind of reminds you he kind of reminds you of Brandon Jacobs a little bit. Did, like, did, if, if you watch any of his – you watch any of his tape, you can – you could see, and the production was the production for him was actually, you know, actually really good. The question is, you know, is he going to catch the football? Um, only thirteen receptions last year, which was only an eight percent market share of the team's receptions. Still rushed for eighteen hundred, or had the total yardage of eighteen hundred and eighty and scored fifteen touchdowns. So that's uh, it, when you add it all together. I can't believe he jumped forty-one inches. He's a 97th percentile athlete at, 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 at the position at 247 pounds before you even size adjust it. That's, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll repeat that. He's a, he's a 97th percentile athlete at the running back position among NFL players before you even size adjust it. And he's 247 pounds. That's pretty, uh, he's a, it's kind of hard to get, you, know, you say Brent, maybe Brandon Jacobs, Derek Henry. I mean, I don't know. The Garrett Blunt's not that fast. It's like, who's that big and, and that explosive? I'm not sure. He's kind of a, he could be a, he could be a very interesting player, man. I'm, I'm very interested to do more digging into AJ Dillon. Well, he'll be a player. It'll be interesting to see if the NFL teams evaluate, you know, what type of volume he can handle. I'll be surprised. You see that too, that he presents a lot of surface. I'll tell you one thing I do know his body presents a lot of surface area to, to opposing defenders. It's just that it's the, you know, and it's, it's the same thing that a lot of these big tall backs have to deal with, but, um, you know, you gotta be a, that's the, that's why Brandon Jacobs was always such a tiptoe burglar, right? Yeah. You're going to need, ultimately you're going to need volume out of a player like that. I'm not sure that, 
the NFL ever view a player like AJ Dillon as a consistent volume player. But look, we know in terms of this is all to win our fantasy leagues ultimately, you know, over the years, over the upcoming years. And, you know, we won't be surprised in that situation where there's some injury someday and all of a sudden, you know, AJ Dillon is getting the start or the lion's share in some game this year or next year or, who, you know, sometime. Uh, you know, sooner than later. And all of a sudden that's a guy like, we're going to know, okay, AJ Dillon, man, that guy ran four, five, three. We've seen him at the combine. He looks like a beast. If I know he's getting 18, you know, plus touches in a game, like all of a sudden get him in. I'm interested in <laughs> DFS or yeah, min, picking him up off the waiver wire kind of or, dude for or, sure or yeah. whatnot. Uh, the other guy, my guy, our guy, Alex, uh, the original truthers dating back to the senior bowl. When we discovered Antonio Gibson, uh, it looks like he's going to be a wider because he, he worked out with the wide receivers appears. He'll be a wide receiver to running back convert did work out with the wide receivers at the combine showed off a lot as a running back at the senior bowl, a player that we know is a running back when projects uh, to the NFL. I mean, that man, get that man, uh, over to the running back position, make that man a running back a stat Alex, because we saw Antonio Gibson peel off a four, three, nine coming in at 228 pounds. Now, of course he's the darling of, you know, the entire, uh, kind of what I guess I'd say the entire dynasty world right now is Antonio Already? Gibson. They've begun to take notice of our boy, a golden son, a true. I mean, you've son? seen, you've seen Twitter, you know, you've seen, You've seen Twitter going haywire, at least, you know, down in the throes of our echo chamber, which tends to not necessarily reflect the mainstream of, you know, fantasy season long players, but the hardcore, the industry types, the dynasty guys, the people that are way down in the trenches. Uh, everybody's excited about Antonio Gibson uh, now and, 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 and reason, you know, reasonably it, 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 it's, it stands to reason because the reason we, we, what we saw in Antonio Gibson at the senior bowl was a player with three down capability who looked at first like Jalen Samuels, but by the time we left, thought he looked like Joe Mixon or David Montgomery. You know, he peels off this four, three, nine at the combine. He's got the elite receiving profile coming out of Memphis, all of a sudden he, he's starting to look a lot like a David Johnson did, you know, several years ago. It's a, it's a little bit concerning for fantasy that the teams are still working him out at wide receiver. It makes you worried that it could be a slow drip in terms of, uh, NFL teams doing the right thing and, and giving that guy a shot and, and the type of volume he, he should receive at the running back position in the NFL, maybe similar to, you know, Jalen Samuels has come on a little, he's been valuable obviously at times and was a glad a guy we're super glad we've had the, uh, intimate Intel on, and we've certainly made a lot of money on Jalen Samuels, but you know, it's kind of been a slow drip for him as far as getting the big time volume. And it's not clear whether that's, that's even going to occur this season for that player. But, uh, Antonio Gibson is a much more athletic player. Uh, like I said, profiles much more like a Mixon or a David Johnson. So my hopes are high, Alex, that, uh, he can have, you know, uh, can have an important, you know, an important impact in fantasy, at least like Jalen Samuel sooner than later, but may have the upside to earn a bigger role, uh, even faster. And certainly a player that uh, is going to be square, on the fantasy radar for roster watch nation this year. And, uh, over the course of the next couple of years, no, I'm just, I'm just glad to, I'm glad to know that we were, I'm glad to know that, that we're the originals with, with, uh, with, with Antonio Gibson, man, telling, uh, screaming his name out to the world 
there from the Senior Bowl, and it, it wouldn't have happened if Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten a little bit banged up in that first day, forcing the hand of the coaching staff. I forget which coaching staff he had. Was it the Bengals? I think it was the Bengals. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was the Bengals. I don't. I don't remember if it, was, if it was the Bengals or the Lions. Regardless, it forced the forced that coaching staff's hand to just have to have to run Antonio Gibson a ton in eleven on elevens, and that's when he just you know, given those reps and given that volume of of work, eventually it just you know if if you have the eyes for this stuff, he had to pop off to you as as a runner. And when I talked to him at the talked to him there at the combine, I said, "Look, man, you're here as a wide receiver." It felt like the Jalen Samuels. Do you remember Jalen Samuels had a great week as a runner at the Senior Bowl, and then shows up at the combine as a goddamn tight end. And you say, why, why are you here as a tight end? He's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to do whatever they ask me to do. Like, well, do you think you're a tight end? No. Like, it's the same thing with Antonio Gibson. He's like, man, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Like, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm a, he's, he said, like, it's, um, it's an honor, you know. It's like it shows, him, it shows me that they think I'm a really good receiver. It's like, but to me, number one, I'm, you know, you know, 1A, I want to be a running back because if I'm a running back, you can get the ball in my hands that way. Or if you want me to be a receiver, I can split out. I can play in the slot, out of the backfield, screens, stuff like that. He's very confident in, in his abilities is Antonio Gibson. And at 228 pounds and at, and at what, uh, five, six feet, just right at six feet tall, 228 pounds, this guy was an, is an 83rd percentile spark athlete among wide receivers can you believe that yeah with a little bit of small hands which is why they they need to get him the hell out of the wide receiver drills and slide that man over to running back yeah 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 you're right eight eight and five eighths inch hands so yeah that's i mean he's not gonna he's 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 not a receiver he's a but he's a great catcher of he's not a receiver but he's a he's a great catcher of the football we saw it all week we saw it all week at the Senior Bowl, and I mean, he, he's he's showing up as a wide. He's he's a he's a good receiver. I mean, he, he for caught, a running back. Yeah, he caught right? he caught thirty eight yes. balls last year. Yeah, he had, he back, caught he caught more foot he caught more footballs than he had rushes last year in college. A really weird production profile. He's a weird dude. The teams are going to have to wrap their head around and really figure out how how they're going to use. I just hope he goes to a team that's creative, one that knows how to use him, and one that just loves him as much as we do because he's like he he has a chance to to be really special. Look, and for comparison's sake, I mean, generally Alex is the one who has the entire both entire senior bowl rosters memorized for life, you know, into the, to the depths of those rosters, even more so than I usually do. But I mean, for comparison's sake, Alex didn't even remember that we saw Tony Pollard at the senior bowl last year. Whereas Antonio Gibson, I mean, it was just clear as day that he was a, a standout on the field among all these, you know, high end NFL prospects. So, I mean, if you like Tony Pollard last year, I mean, we're talking about a little bit, definitely different, different statures. Gibson's the bigger guy, but both Swiss army knife guys that are exciting, that can catch the football and can run the football. So I'd say if you got excited about Tony Pollard and what you saw out of him coming out of Memphis uh, during his rookie year in the NFL, uh, if you like Jalen Samuels, if you like the idea of the upside of a Joe Mixon or a David Johnson, uh, it's time to get on the Antonio Gibson and train Alex. You did, you did mention something interesting though. Not one of the guys I was going to really try to dive into here, but it is worth mentioning Keyshawn Vaughn looked good the first day of the senior bowl, thought his body type was reasonably impressive. You know, it was respectable when I saw him during media sessions at the combine he didn't blaze the 40, but that four, five, one, I, I did think 
was good enough for him. So that's a player I, 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 I don't want to forget, uh, Alex, that maybe I think it could be easy to lose sight of throughout this process. And then maybe before I get to some of the deeper sleepers that I felt like I uncovered in terms of just their import, their impressive performances at the combine last, but not least, Alex, I think the guy that, you know, we just haven't given enough, we haven't dedicated enough airtime to, we haven't given enough love to at all after an outstanding combine on the heels of being RB one at the senior bowl. That's Josh Kelly out of UCLA. He burned a four, four, nine, put up 23 reps. He had the best three cone time of any running back, uh, in Indianapolis, five foot 11, 212 pounds. One of the truly impressive athletic builds that we saw just walking around amongst the running back groups there, uh, during media sessions. And a player just was unbelievable, just a, an unbelievable slasher with three down capability, good size, good power, good feet, good lateral agility, good vision at the senior ball. I mean, and then all of it translated to on field performance at combine, along with all the athletic testing, Alex, and you know, somehow I feel like Josh Kelly is getting completely caught in the wash right now. And I mean, there might not be a running back who we should be higher on, at least relatively speaking, than Josh Kelly out of UCLA right now. Well, did, um, his three, what do, what do you have his, what do you have his three cone at? I have 6.95. Is that what you have? Uh, yeah, I think so. 6.95. So that was the best. Like, that's the best in Indianapolis. That, that was the best. That was a bad year for three cones then, because that's like a that's like a 70th percentile type of type of uh, three cone historically. Um, under under seven is good though. I yeah, mean, no, no, it's good, it's good. I'm just, I'm he, surprised. And it's not like he's a shrimpy guy. I mean, he's a two two twelve. I mean, not a two hundred twenty pounder, but he's that's no hundred ninety five pounder out there trying yeah. to. The only the only play, the only the only drill that he didn't the only drill that he didn't basically. You know, I guess the twenty-yard shuttle wasn't great. The only drill he didn't murder was the vertical. Only a thirty-one-inch vertical was pretty bad, but his broad jump was good. Like he, like he, it was a, it was a overall a good testing day. And um, I love, I love Joshua Kelly. I think he's like the, he's like the. I was again, you know, this is the same. We talked about him last night on on Fitz on Fantasy Pat's podcast, but. Like these these UCLA running backs, man. Do you remember Jonathan Franklin? Do you remember what a what a what sort of a special personality he he had at his Senior Bowl that year when he's talking about how he you know he loved football and stuff, but his real goal was that he wanted to be mayor of LA one day and stuff like this. And he had all this stuff where he was into the campus politics, and he'd have these um, different programs where he'd go and sit and talk. Like just he'd talk about how he was a coalition builder and all this stuff like that. It's like really impressive kids. Like I don't know what it is about these UCLA running backs, man. Joshua Kelly's the same way. You go up to him and you, you know, you get an interview with him and then you get a picture of him and he, you know, and then, you know, then you, you get a, uh, you know, you, you ask him to do a, you know, a station ID where he's like, Hey, this is Joshua Kelly. You're listening to roster watch. Um, and then, you know, then you're like, all right, thanks. You know, and then th- this dude like shakes your hand, thanks you, and asks you if there's anything else you need. I mean, like, there's not a nicer kid in this whole draft class, one that I'm rooting more for. And it just so happens that Joshua Kelly happens to have terrific feet. Uh, coming out of the senior bowl, I said, I mean, it reminded me of, you know, it. It's 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 lofty praise, but it reminded me some kind like some kind of Kareem Hunt week at the Senior Bowl, like 
one that I wasn't really expecting the same way I was expecting out of Kareem Hunt, just because we had talked to his, uh, at the time, his at the time, it uh, it doesn't really matter. But now that I've gone into it, at the time, the running backs coach at Texas was his former coach at Toledo, and had already tipped me off that look, dude, Kareem Hunt, the students at the Senior Bowl, he's going to be a he's going to be a monster. So we were kind of looking out for that. I, I I wasn't looking out for Josh Kelly, and you know, for me to come out of there saying like this guy's got a lot of Kareem Hunt to him, maybe a little bit of the good version of Lamar Miller to him. Um, th- Certainly, it's, yeah, he hasn't. He's not being talked about enough. And um, as I'm looking at my rankings, you know, right now he's not going to be in there with the Cam Akers of the world, or the Jonathan Taylors, or the J.K. Dobbins, or uh, you know, the DeAndre Swifts, or any of them. But when you start looking at guys like Zach Moss that just ran so badly, um, some of these others that people kind of really, really like. You know, I think you start considering Joshua Kelly in that same kind of that same kind of tier and a guy that we're going to be very, very happy to be getting in the second round of our dynasty drafts this year. Yeah, for sure. Let me just peel off a few other guys here, Alex, that I thought stood out a little bit in terms of their testing. We had Anthony McFarland out of Maryland at 208 pounds. He ran 444. Uh, and feel free to hop in and comment on any of these guys. We had Raymond Calais out of Louisiana Lafayette, only 5'8", 188, but he ran 4'4", and surprisingly put up 20 reps on the bench at that size. Darren Eventon out of Appalachian State, man, he looked pretty good in drills, and including catching Dar- the football. <laughs> Darren Dar- 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 Eventon? No, it's, it's a Darrington Evans. <laughs> Dar- <laughs> you transposed him. I'm sorry. That was funny. Uh, no, good call. Four, four, one, 20 reps on the bench at five, 10, uh, two Oh three. Uh, those are a couple other guys. And I mean, those are one, you know, when you get to these middling guys that maybe aren't ranked as high, I mean, one of the first things you got to see, I mean, it is important at the running back position to be fast and explosive. Like it's a good way to start sorting through some of these other middling guys. So when you have the, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, those aforementioned players peeling off low four, four, four times and but geez, putting up 20 reps on the bench. Uh, I thought all of those were players that, uh, you know, we should at least be aware of at this point in the process, Alex. One, one other guy before we get to some of this GM and head coach sound, Eno Benjamin from Arizona state. He, he came in 12 pounds heavier than he was at the senior bowl. And it, and it showed the two Oh seven for him is really a lot different than the one ninety five for him. Outside, you know, from going from looking sort of skinny at the senior bowl, especially through his legs and thighs and stuff like that, it was, you know, that 207. He walked in with these guys like the, like the, um, oh heck, uh, I'm trying, like the Scotty Phillipses of the world and the J.K. Dobbinses of the world and the Clyde Edwards Hilaires and all the rest of them. And Eno Benjamin did not look puny compared to these guys. I think that 207, that's, you know, that's, that's his playing weight, we always said. He's probably going to run a four six. He ran a little bit better than a four six, and actually had was pretty good. Te- I mean, 70, 72nd percentile spark uh, score for him. So uh, he had a good week in Indy, and he's a guy who I was down on just due to the weight and the fact that his style of play is just not sustainable as a sub two hundred pound man at the NFL level. It just it, it it isn't going to work. But when you look at the fact that he's pro- probably the most prolific receiving back in this class, just as far as within the context of his team's um, offense in college. And then you see that, you know, he really is a 
really is a really creative and gifted runner that we've been noticing ever since he's back in high school in, in, in Wiley, Texas. It's um, Eno Benjamin's another one who, when we talk about the Keyshawn Vaughns and the Joshua Kellys and you know, those kinds of players, uh, Eno should probably be back sort of in that mix, you know, if, if at the tail end of that mix, but certainly not forgotten about the way he seemed to be kind of overlooked during uh, his, his week at the Senior Bowl just because of that horrible weigh-in. Yeah, I'll definitely give you that one because I was impressed with his I mean impressed is probably a little bit aggressive, but I was surprised when I saw his lower body kind of walking around. I said, All right, he's not like a super thick guy down low, but he he's got you know, he's got a little more meat on his legs than maybe you would have expected. So I was certainly uh, excited uh, to see that. And I mean he he's definitely a guy that I think should be, you know, on the radar. You mentioned Scotty Phillips, Alex. I was so disappointed in his athletic testing after it was, it was after he looked like an absolute, (laughs) I mean, he's so rocked up. I would never tell him his athletic, I'd never tell him his athletic testing was miserable. If I was in a dark alley alone, that guy will murder you. (laughs) I couldn't even believe it. Well, Alex, do you want to turn the page to some of this uh, GM head coach sound? Let's get to it. All right. Well, I mean, we went over the Josh Jacobs uh, sound bit, sound bit out of uh, Mike Mayock in the last podcast. I mean, that to me, that was, you know, probably the most important or the biggest news fantasy wise coming out of the combine. You heard it last week here on the pod. Now it's all over Roto World on like Tuesday of the next week and everywhere else uh, that uh, it's, uh, where Mike Mayock he kind of coined the phrase phase two for Josh Jacobs. Like they have this plan with this guy, man. And it's really, uh, I'm very, very bullish on Josh Jacobs being this year's Dalvin cook or Nick Chubb, that kind of late first round guy. Who's really going to have the opportunity to just to go very, very big. And first year in Las Vegas, that'll be fun to see, you know, Alex, I I thought uh, maybe down downstream a little bit from that other very notable, running back news coming out of the combine. I mean, this is a guy you and I have been going back and forth over in best ball, you know, in round four, round five, what do we do with them? And I mean, we gave GM Kevin Colbert every chance to throw in the towel on James Conner, Alex, but here's what he said. Kevin, you got a couple of really nice players in Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. Would you like to see James Conner reclaim a, you know, feature role or has a guy like Benny Snell earned more playing time in year two? Uh, Benny Snell had a nice season for us as a rookie. Uh, James had an unfortunate season. And what we tried to emphasize to James was this was this year. Uh, The previous year, you were one of the best in the league. And we know you're still a young, ascending player. And we want you to get back to where you were in 2018. The injuries happened. They were acute um, injuries that weren't avoidable. And it, it happened. He has to work through it. And we're confident in James because we know what he did in 18. But we also are hopeful that he can find that again in 2020. But in the meantime, competition from a Benny Snell and a Jalen Sanders should help that process. Well, it doesn't sound like to me they've given up the ghost on James Conner just yet. What do you think, Byron? You're, you're the one that was there talking to the guy directly. Well, when I asked Kevin Colbert the question, you know, I was expecting, you know, we look, you got Jalen Samuels, you got Benny Snell. I mean, those are those are solid backups. Those are good running back prospects. I thought Snell is a player who looked like he earned a little more time last year and Connor kind of faded. So, I mean, it just given the way that every other team in the league plays running back to me, it just, you know, stood to reason that 
this has got to be heading towards a three-headed, you know, monster. But I, I felt that Kevin Colbert pretty, um, pretty strongly shot that down. I mean, I, the impression I got, if you parse through the words there, and what he told me is that they want to give James Conner every opportunity to regain that bell cow role from 2018. They want him to be the guy. So not only do they want him to the guy to be the guy, it sounds like they truly intend on uh, giving him the opportunity to reclaim that role, Alex. So, you know, we'll see if it happens. I mean, he did say that Snell played well enough to earn a little more time, but it was far from the, you know, demonstrable endorsement. I was, you know, I was expecting, I might've heard, uh, about those other running backs in Pittsburgh. So all of a sudden, look, you got to just bank on the fact that you might be getting a guy in a timeshare, maybe, uh, uh, maybe a Mark Ingram type role from last year. Uh, if you want to be realistic, uh, but you know, all of a sudden you start saying, man, I feel pretty good about that guy in round four, especially round five of my best ball league. I, I mean, there's I don't think you're potentially a whole, I, I, I haven't seen him fall to round five. That's more where we're talking. The four or five guys are more the Damian Williams, Raheem Mostert types. Um, maybe carry, you know, carry on will always fall to five. And David Montgomery. But the guys who we see falling maybe to five. I, I think that Connor, you're hoping he falls to the beginning of the fourth. Because you're talking about, well, who do you like better between right now? Who do you like better between Le'Veon Bell and James Connor? If the Jets sign Conklin, probably Bell. But that's a good discussion right there. That's yeah. a really good discussion. And ultimately, I think what you're talking about is maybe there's not a lot of arbitrage built in at this moment. But you know, at this time last year, this is what we were projecting for Mark Ingram. And he was going much later than this. Right. But ultimately, ultimately, he was like a round four pick. And that was still just fine. So – you know, James Conner is a player I feel pretty good about in terms of just a calculated gamble there in those, you know, what starts to be the beginning of those middle rounds in your best ball draft. So, you know, this is like that's a guy I'm willing to take my chances on uh, right now, Alex. I like it, too, because the, the, the thing about Colbert is he's always he's always kind of been honest with us, especially whenever he's he hasn't been impressed with a with a player. Right. There's been times where he said, "Like, look, what can I say? It's been disappointing." Like, so um, with with Connor, I like it. I think you have a tough choice. Like if Byron said, "There, we're going to have to." This is also exactly where Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift begin to go off the board. So that's another thing we're going to have to just really continue to work out uh, here through the course of uh, here through the course of best ball season and what we are here to do for you and especially for our pro members that use our tools here and there. Best ball and dynasty drafts. All right. What else you got, man? Got a few more here. Uh, disappointed that Dave Gettleman would not give a stronger endorsement of young stud wide receiver Darius Slayton of the Giants. Um, was really, really disappointed because I, I basically laid this one up, Alex. I said, hey, Dave, you've, you've got what looks like a potential stud in Darius Slayton at the wide receiver position. Like, where are you guys at on him? Here's what he had to say. Dave, Darius Slayton looks like a potential stud. What do you guys think you have in him? Well, you know, listen, anytime, you know, he's, he, he really has done really a fine job. You know, we, we, we in the fifth round, we took a speed kid, you know, and, and uh, you know, obviously he had a terrific rookie year. 
and all things being equal, they all should get better. I mean, can they just put a muzzle on fucking Dave Gettleman and just not let him go talk to the? Hey, he's, this motherfucker just isn't just embarrassing himself at this point. Darius Slayton is a player who he drafted. Why is he not standing up and taking credit for him? It's like we always said, like you, you know, you, we we would love to ask Jason Light questions about his linebacker. Who's that linebacker that got, went to the 49ers? I can't, I can't believe I'm blanking on his Quan Alexander. You know, and you just see his eyes light up, you know, because that's the guy that they found as a guy that they loved, a guy that turned out to play really well for them, right? He just, he'd want to keep talking about him. Why would you not want to? It's a player that you liked. You took him. He turned out to be really good. Not Dave Gettleman. He's like, look, we took a speed guy in, in round five. You know, he had, a, he, had, he, had, he had a good rookie season. And in the end, you expect all these guys to get better. It's like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with him? Yeah, to your point, you lay some of these ones up for these GMs. Usually they're... You know, like, like uh, let me take a little credit, man. Finally, somebody like giving a, me a, yeah, a, a, a fucking slow ball here. Let me knock this thing out. Like, they're like a pig in shit when you ask <laughs> them about their late round picks that hit. You know what I mean? It's just a bunch of harebrained platitudes out of Dave Gettleman when it comes to Darius Slayton being a round five speed guy and expects him to quote unquote improve like everyone else. You start to take it with a grain of salt a little bit too. So we'll just have to see what they do at that wide receiver position, but. Nonetheless, I thought that was one that, you know, kind of caught me off guard. I was expecting a little more there. And I know Darius Slayton was a player that I was starting to get very excited about heading into year two. And I may still be very excited about, uh, you know, but I, I thought Gettleman poured a little bit of cold water on that one, Alex. And then um, I had a couple of you know, the bigger name running backs here. I thought also, you know, made him pretty important news. Uh, we had a chance to ask Tom Telesco a couple of questions about the running back situation uh, with the Los Angeles you know, Chargers. And very, very clear that Melvin Gordon is not coming back to Los Angeles. This is something we've been predicting for two years now, but uh, I felt like it couldn't have been more clear. Uh, it, Tom Telesco really didn't give him the time of the day. However, Austin Eckler, who is also a restricted free agent, I mean, I felt like Telesco signaled a big workload for Austin Eckler uh, in 2020, Alex. He made me feel confident he's a player who can handle big volume over the course of the season. Um, You know, we'll let you guys see what you think about what Tom Telesco had to say about Austin Eckler heading into next season. Tom, do you view Austin Eckler as a player who can carry the load as a lead guy over the duration of an entire season, or is he best used as kind of an, a complementary piece? Well, I guess it depends how you how you define lead guy. Um, he can handle the ball as a running back and as a receiver. He can handle the touches, and I think he can do it over a full season. Um, you know, would you want to carry, have him carry the ball 30, 35 times a game, which hardly anybody does anymore? Um, you know, I think we'd want to pair him with anybody. It doesn't really matter, even if he was, you know, six foot two thirty and could pound it in between the tackles. You want to pair running backs with with each other. But you can do so much with the football with the amount of touches he gets, and it doesn't have to just be as a running back. We can put him in the slot, we can put him out wide. He's a pretty dangerous player for us, and a big part of our offense. Um, he's going to play a lot. All right. I mean, all all good things there from Tom Telesco. He thinks he can. He said. I mean, he even says this guy's not going to carry the load. He, Thirty-five really, times. Yeah, Thirty-five times. Why the hell do these guys but, take it to the they, extreme? They throw Nobody a straw man the out there. 30, yeah. It's a straw man. Yeah, exactly. But, they try to throw you off with that bullshit. But, but you you certainly come out of there feeling fifteen to eighteen touches on a weekly basis is 
currently in the cards for Austin Eckler, don't you, Alex? Yeah, and now the question becomes, it's like where he's priced in, is he – I am I mean, do you, are you feel, do you feel comfortable taking Austin Eckler with your second pick in fantasy? That's where you're going to have to take him right now if you want him. I'm not sure – I mean, are you comfortable there? Would you rather pivot to maybe a Julio Jones or a Chris Godwin? Maybe, or maybe go to a Miles Sanders or Devin Singletary. Like just where, where are you with, with that? I'll be fine with that ADP on Austin Eckler. Once I know for sure, Melvin Gordon is out of the picture. Uh, right. I think it's going to take a month or two. I need to make sure that I fade some kind of swindle in the draft. And then, you know, it sounds like they're all in on Tyrod Taylor, which actually I think is a fine match. With great. I mean, I, I would, yeah. I would foresee a ton of dump offs in the backfield to Austin Eckler. And those are two players. They can kind of run some, some scheme off of those two kind of yep. in the backfield, yep. you know, together there. I actually like that match. So I, I'm pretty comfortable with Austin Eckler. Maybe that's a little bit rich right now with still some of the uncertainty hanging out there. Alex, but, uh, you know, give me another 60 days. If, if Austin Eckler is where we think he's going to be in terms of that depth chart, uh, mid late second round, that, that, that doesn't sound so bad to me. Who you got next? Uh, let me wrap up here with a couple of Jaguars. One of these questions came from me, Alex. One of these came uh, from you. I know that our, you know, our, our friend and somebody that we look up to uh, in the industry, Matthew Barry, who has this as part of his Rotopass product as well. Uh, he wrote his, you know, fallout, his uh, column from the annual column from the NFL Combine, Alex. And you know, I thought it was interesting. He, when he writes here about Leonard Fournette, is that he's concerned about offensive coordinator Jay Gruden. And uh, also new quarterbacks coach Ben McAdoo being in the fold because those are two coaches, shitty coaches, two, two shitty coaches is most importantly. But really what Matthew points out here is uh, that they both like to throw the ball an awful lot. And, and, and we look, we've been very we've hated being attached to Jake Rudin for many years now and, and, and being attached to McAdoo McAdoo did feel very much the same way. So I get it. That's, that's, that's reason to be concerned. And, you know, based on the ADPs you were throwing out for Leonard Fournette uh, on the last podcast, Alex, it does sound like he's on the rise to an area where it's going to be a more difficult decision than maybe like the Insta call that it was last year, or we thought it might still be uh, early ADPs this year, but boy, I sure did see, I sure did feel like when you asked Doug Marone about Leonard Fournette's status with the team, and this is coming straight from the head coach, that he gave you the exact endorsement that we were hoping for. Coach, do you think that everybody would view Leonard Fournette's 2019 season differently had he had better luck with the with the touchdowns? And how do you see his role? going forward is it going to stay the same next year i think leonard did everything that we want him to do i mean you know you talk about a workhorse a guy that carried the load a guy that had a ton of receptions um you know, we were able to, you know, he did a lot of great things for us. Coming out of the backfield, protection is probably one of the things that, you know, he really did a heck of a job of this year. Uh, it was unfortunately not just Leonard, but everyone, we didn't get into the end zone enough. So I think as we, you know, get better, and you know, around ourselves or the players and we get better in the year coming, and I think that we have to do a better job coaching-wise situationally in the red zone to be able to score those touchdowns, and I think they'll come. Well, you've heard it there. That's, that's Doug Marone. That's the head coach. 
I mean, he's, he, he needs to do everything he can to – I don't – look, the new assistant coaches, I get it. That's a, that's a good point by Barry. With that being said, Doug Marone is still the head coach. It's still his program. It's still his ideology. They still – you know, it, they uh, – he doesn't – he said that the touchdowns are going to come. He said the whole team needs to be better. I just – I think that the usage that he had last year is the usage that he's going to continue to have, and it just makes it – it makes it hard for me to just whenever I just look at these guys, it makes it hard for me to figure out, you know, is it Aaron Jones? Is it Leonard Fournette there whenever you get to, you know, the round pick 2.03, 2.04? I think I'd rather have either of those guys than Austin Eckler that we just talked about. It's, it feels like there's a little bit of a drop off there when you get to Eckler just until we we know about Melvin Gordon. But um yeah, I, I mean, I take away from it that I think that Leonard Fournette is like the touchdowns are gonna like three three touchdowns with all that usage that he had last year. Leonard Fournette still finished the season. I, like I don't want to. I mean, Leonard Fournette still finished the season in, uh, in PPR as running back nine. It wasn't like he was a bust, even despite those. Hor- um, um, imagine if he had if he, if he would have had like six more touchdowns, we'd be talking about Leonard Fournette's season completely differently. Alex, what's the saying from about, what is it like, you know, about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, maybe the, maybe eating the baby and the king cake down there in Louisiana (laughs) where Leonard Fournette's from. But listen, man, it just feels like when you're talking about Leonard Fournette going the way of the dodo bird, because it's beginning a pass centric offense. I mean, that's kind of nonsensical, given the fact that we know Leonard Fournette is is a great player in a passing offense and a pass catching offense from the running back position. And, and, and given how strong the team got behind Raquel Armstead last year, a guy that we really like as a handcuff, number one, that makes Fournette appealing as a fantasy player. Just anytime we have what appears to be a nice handcuff that can basically be had for free, but you know, not a player that is a threat to Leonard Fournette. So the only situation where I could begin to get a little nervous here is if they bring in a satellite back in free agency or, 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 or you know, uh, somewhere at a, you know, notable juncture. There's, and there's the no draft. signs that they're going to be doing so. No signs, no yeah. signs. I mean, it seems very, very unlikely. And then last but not least, Alex, I was very excited and very, um, uh, very impressed, very, very encouraged with what Jaguars GM general manager had to say about young stud rookie, uh, young stud wide receiver DJ Chark. Well, is there a GM really named general manager? I think that the GM's name might be Dave Caldwell. Let's hear what he has to say about DJ Chark. Dave, did DJ Chark show that he's a bona fide number one in this league? Uh, I think DJ had a tremendous year, and, uh, and we're actually looking for some of our rookies last year to kind of take the jump. We always talk about Josh Oliver and Quincy Williams. We're with an offseason. They need to take the jump and do what, what, what DJ did last year for us. And uh, I think he's, he, he's only tipped his level of what he can be. And he's a tremendous worker, tremendous kid, and I think having a taste of the Pro Bowl for him is going to make him even more hungry. Well, Byron, what do you think? Is 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 DJ Chark going to continue to be a true alpha? I think that's the question. I think so. I mean, whether he's a le- ever going to rise to the level of elite wide receiver one in NFL circles. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but for fantasy purposes, I mean, we have a very bona fide lead guy, I and mean, he's definitely the lead guy in Jacksonville. 
that is every bit of wide receiver two potential who could push for a low end wide receiver one appeal this season. Alex, I was, um, I just loved hearing Dave Caldwell talk about how DJ Chark is so motivated by getting his first taste of the pro bowl. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.